I'm so glad that you have come out um, to hear about this topic. It's a topic that we, we don't often hear about in the church, um, uh, which is a shame because it's the kind of thing that we need to talk more about. So let me start with this. I'm not exactly sure how old I was, probably no older than 10. I was playing hide-and-go-seek uh, in my grandparents' house. you got to understand that uh, in their basement, they had a basement apartment. That's where my uncle lived. And that day, I decided to hide in the basement under my uncle's bed. Uh, while I was there, I noticed a box of magazines, okay? And it wasn't car and driver. It wasn't men's health. It was magazines like Playboy, Hustler, Penthouse. Now, at that age, I didn't even know what pornography was. Um, yet there I was, face to face, with what seemed like endless uh, pages of naked women. I remember feeling confused. Um, questions started flooding my mind, like, what is this? Uh, why don't these women have any clothes on? I remember feeling excited. Um, even at that young age, there was something exhilarating about this discovery. I remember feeling scared. I knew that I shouldn't be looking at this. I knew there was something wrong with these magazines, and I knew that there was something wrong with looking at them. I share this story because this is the testimony of countless men and women, and sadly and, sa and tragically, some of the men and women uh, who were affected early on by these images of pornography have been affected ever since. Well, what effects am I talking about? There is a website called Fight the New Drug. You need to know about this website, Fight the New Drug. And it's a website that is combating and talks about the effects of pornography. They actually have a documentary that's worth watching. And they talk about how people have suffered the uh, harmful effects of pornography. Here's just one email that they received from, from someone emailing them. It says this, I've been watching porn at least every day for the last 10 years. I'm 23 years old, so if you do the math, he started watching when he was 13. I got married when I was 21, and I still haven't had sex with my wife. Not because I don't want to, but because I can't. I can't stop watching porn, and I'm unable to become aroused enough to have sex with her. It has been two years, and I can see the pain in her eyes every time we try. I would do anything to change the last 10 years. I would do anything to choose love over porn. He goes on to say this. I want to love her with everything I have, but my addiction to pornography has broken down our relationship to the point that we are now separated until I change or we agree on a divorce. By the way, pornography is cited in 50% of all divorces. I still haven't been aroused by anything other than pixels on a screen for years. I'm going to talk about why that is. That has to do with science and your brain. I would do anything to go back and choose love. 
Now, it might be helpful before we go too far to define what we mean by pornography. The word comes from a Greek word, pornographia, which means the writings about prostitutes. The writings about prostitutes. That is, pornography is designed for a person to interact with the material as one interacts with a prostitute. Let me say something else. You might be thinking, well, Tim, this is a man's issue. You know, why am I here if you're, if you're a woman? This is not merely a man's issue. This is a woman's issue, too. Pornhub, the world's leading free internet pornography site, says that one in every five visitors to their site is a female. Multiple studies have found that one-third of women view pornography. This is not merely a man issue. This is a human issue, okay? This affects all of us. This generation has been more affected by pornography than any other generation in history. And I believe there are at least three major reasons for this. We're going to look at accessibility, sorry, acceptability, accessibility, and uh, we're going to skip the third for time's sake, but anonymity. Obviously, no one knows. You, you can go on a porn site and no one even knows you're there, right? And you can clear your history and all that stuff. You don't have to go to a strip club. You don't have to go to the video store. You don't have to go buy that magazine. And I think that's changed the game as well. So we're looking at three A words that have helped pornography thrive in this generation. Let's look at each briefly. The first is uh, acceptability. Acceptability. First, there is growing acceptability of pornography in the culture. Whether we like it or not, media has, ha has a huge impact on our lives. <clears throat> in one sense, media is like a mirror. It mirrors culture. In another sense, media modifies the culture. So media is like a barometer, and it tells us where we are as a culture, but it also tells us where we're going. To help illustrate uh, the growing acceptability of pornography, consider how TV shows have changed. There was a time when TV shows wouldn't even show a couple in the same bed together, like a married couple, okay? How many people remember I Love Lucy? Did anyone watch I Love Lu Lucy? This aired in 1951. And they, it portrayed Lucy and Ricky sleeping in separate beds in an effort to diminish any kind of sexual relationship between them. Curiously, they still managed to conceive a son, Ricky Jr., right? I wonder how that happened. Now, nearly 70 years later, pornography is joked about in sitcoms, and it's put on full display in our dramas. For example, March 26, 1998, the famous show Friends aired an episode they titled The One with the Free Porn. That's what they called it. In this episode, Chandler and Joey, they turn on the TV and they discover that they have free pornography. And the whole episode is them keeping the show on. That is, they don't want anyone to touch the remote. Don't mute it. Don't change the channel. Don't turn the TV off. Why? Because they don't want to lose the free porn. Now, I want you to show a very short clip, a discussion that takes place here. And hopefully, hopefully this works, because I don't think we tested it. Go for it. Oh, 
So the implication there, right, no guy in their right mind would turn off free pornography. In fact, you should be embarrassed to tell your son that you're the, they're the dad that turned off free porn. Now, there's an irony here, okay, because today virtually all porn is free. Why don't we just have it running nonstop then? And so TV's changed. How many people have heard of Game of Thrones? You heard of Game of Thrones? It's uh, the most popular show on HBO. It's known for its gratuitous violence and its nudity. By season seven, the average viewer numbers had increased to 32.8 million people per episode. Almost 33 million people per episode. Interestingly, Vice.com, okay, this is not a Christian organization, Vice.com, they um, looked into, they counted every instance of rape or attempted rape and every instance of nudity in the first seven seasons, okay? There was eight seasons before they ended the show. So the first seven seasons, what they found was in 67 episodes, there were 17 instances of on-screen rape or attempted rape, all of which happened to a woman. That's one time per, epi- for, per four episodes. They found that 144 instances of on-screen nudity in those 67 episodes. And so times have changed. In a study published in 2008 called Generation Triple X, Pornography's Acceptance and Use Among Emerging Adults, researchers found that roughly two-thirds of young men and half of young women agreed that viewing pornography is acceptable. Whereas nine out of ten young men and nearly one-third of young women reported actually using it. So we're living at a time where pornography is acceptable. It's not only acceptable, though, it's also accessible. Accessible. So let's go to our next point, accessibility. This generation is more affected by pornography than any other because of pornography's accessibility. Now, porn was always accessible, but not like it is today. It used to be that if a person wanted to see pornography, they wanted to look at that, they'd have to go to a strip club, okay? They would have to go to an adult video store and rent a video. They'd have to go buy a magazine. Not today. Today, everyone in the room is literally one click away from porn. You are one Google search away from pornography. We carry access to porn in our pockets. That's accessibility. Because of its accessibility, along with affordability and anonymity, pornography sites get, listen, more visits per month than Amazon, Twitter, and Netflix combined. Think about that. Netflix, Amazon, and Twitter combined. Pornography gets more in one month. How about this? In the last six years, Pornhub the leading kind of free internet pornography site in the world, they do an annual year in review, okay? And they give a bunch of statistics about who's going there and what they're watching, this kind of stuff. They found that 33.5, they found 33.5 billion visits just in 2018. If you do the math, that's a daily average of 92 million visitors a day. 92 million. 
that's the countries of Canada, Poland, and Australia combined every single day on their site. They have uh, searches 962 times per second. In 2018 alone, they, they uploaded 4.79 million new videos, creating 1 million hours of new content. That's 115 years worth of porn in 2018 alone. Every minute, like as I'm speaking, every minute, 64,000 new, new visitors arrive at Pornhub. Every minute, 200,000 videos are watched. Every minute, nearly 60,000 searches are performed. Every minute. That's one porn site. And it's estimated that there are probably well over 100 million porn sites on the internet. So here's my question. How does all this pornography affect individuals? How does it affect our relationships? And how does it affect our society? Or said another way, how does it affect the brain? How does it affect our heart? And how does it affect the world? And because of time, we're going to look at how it affects the brain and the heart, and we'll leave the world maybe for a Wednesday night study or something. Let's talk about the brain. How does it affect the individual? Well, the brain, you know that three pounds of gray matter between your ears? It's truly amazing. It contains roughly 90 billion nerve cells. Those are called neurons. And those form connections, actually trillions of connections, and we call those synapses. Now, um, when connected together, these synapses make uh, back roads and uh, streets and highways and superhighways that, that these signals travel along. Now, brain scientists used to say the brain is fixed. It's like a machine, okay? It can't be changed. But now we know that's not true. The brain has the ability to change. In fact, it's changing all the time. It's changing as I'm speaking to you. They call this neuroplasticity. It's changing every time you think. Consider how you would play the guitar. Let's say you want to play the G chord. Well, your brain sends a signal to your fingers telling them what to do. And as the signal moves from neuron to neuron, it's creating these path pathways. It's activating them. Here's what you need to know. Neurons that fire together, wire together. That is, these newly connected neurons make pathways. Now these paths, it's, like it's like going to the woods. Imagine you come to uh, this wooded area and there's no path. And you decide to walk along that path. Okay? And then someone else comes along and they walk along the path. And then people keep walking along that path. In fact, it's easier to walk down it. You can see the path now. Over time, that path becomes established. Right? It's the same with your brain. Every time these signals travel along these pathways of neurons, the pathway is more established. Pornography has the ability, listen to me, to literally change your brain by creating pathways as you watch it. Whether it's your lover or your laptop, you are creating neurological pathways that change your brain. What am I saying? As you watch pornography, 
you are wiring your brain to respond sexually to the images on the screen. That's what's happening. That's what the neuroscientists are telling us. In fact, there's a book called Wired for Intimacy. And neuroscientist William Struthers, he says this, with repeated sexual acting out in the, in the absence of a partner, a man will be bound and attached to the image, not a person. That's right, the porn-affected brain can, be, can come to prefer pornography actually over sex. Why do men turn, and women, turn to porn rather than actual sex? Well, in the book, The Brain That Changes Itself, Dr. Norman Doidge, he talks about two pleasure systems in our brain. One is the exciting pleasure system, and another is the satisfying pleasure system. The first deals with anticipation, the other deals with satisfaction. Well, during anticipation, and this is what happens when people watch porn, dopamine is released. Now, dopamine is a neurochemical. It's associated with feelings of euphoria, with bliss, with motivation, with concentration. There's a reason why they call it the feel-good hormone. Now, internet pornography, with its endless images of one digital woman after another, provides bursts of dopamine to your brain with every new image. Now, uh, the brain is constantly being ramped up to higher and higher levels of excitement. Now, as time goes on, pornography users, they actually need more dopamine to get the same feeling, the same high. What does that sound like? It sounds like addiction. It sounds like drug use. Consequently, they, they need more images. That is, not just more images, but more new images and new variety of images to get around and to get aroused. The porn-affected brain is addicted to novelty, not sex. It needs new naked women. It needs new unrealistic scenarios. It needs new sex positions. And that, by the way, is why a real woman can never compete. They can't. Here's the good news, though. Neuroplasticity works both ways, okay? It works both ways. If porn highways and high hormone levels, if they're not reinforced, they'll eventually disappear. The brain that changes due to porn can actually change back. And some say, just go on a 90-day detox. That's what you need. So pornography harms the individual. It harms the brain. It also harms the heart. It doesn't just affect the brain, it affects our heart. And what I'm, I'm talking about is how we relate to one another. Being human is about being in relationship, okay? We were made for relationship with each other and with our maker. Sadly, pornography affects the way we think and act towards other people. Pornography hurts relationships in many ways. For example, many men who have an addiction to pornography, they actually have trouble becoming aroused by their spouse. They claim that they're no longer 
attracted to their spouse. Well, the work of a Nobel Prize winning biologist named Nicholas Tinbergen, he's, his, his research actually can help us here. I want you to listen carefully to this. Tinbergen discovered that male butterflies, they're attracted to female butterflies by, looking, by seeing their uh, color and their shape and their uh, wing pattern. Now what he did was he made a cardboard cutout of a female butterfly, cardboard cutout that was bigger and brighter than the, fem- the actual female butterflies. And when he put those cutouts, which he called a supernormal stimulus, in with the female butterflies and let the males go, they were attracted to the cardboard cutouts and, actu- and actually tried to mate with the cardboard cutouts and completely ignored the actual female butterflies. How does this relate to what we're talking about? Well, I think this is how the brain works, the human brain works. World-renowned researchers and clinical psychologists, doctors John and Julie Gottman, these aren't Christians, okay, but here's what they say. Pornography may just uh, uh, be just such a supernormal stimulus. With pornography use, much more of a normal stimulus may eventually be needed to achieve the response a supernormal stimulus invokes. In contrast, ordinary levels of the stimulus are no longer interesting. Now here's what he says. Next, next slide. This may be how normal sex becomes much less interesting to a porn user. The data supports this conclusion. In fact, use of pornography by one partner leads the couple to have far less sex and ultimately reduces relationship satisfaction. I've actually heard of couples trying to use pornography, even Christian couples, to use pornography to try and spruce up their sex life. The irony is pornography ruins sex. It destroys sex, okay? This is not a good idea. It leads to a lack of desire in sex with one's partner. In fact, in some cases, there's actually something called porn-induced erectile dysfunction. In 2012, a study found that 30% of men ages, listen, 18 to 24, 18 to 24 suffer from erectile dysfunction. Pornography affects how we view others as well. We should love people and use things, but pornography teaches us, it teaches men and women, to treat women as objects of their own personal pleasure. Pornography lies to us. It teaches a lie that all women want sex all the time. That's not true. It teaches a lie that women like all sex acts. That's not true. It teaches the lie that Women who don't want sex can be persuaded by force. They've done a study looking at all this uh, pornography that's out there, and most of it is violent towards women, okay? Extremely violent. Sadly, young boys and girls are buying into these lies. Relationships are hard work. They involve caring for other, the other person, serving the other person, getting to know the other person, 
There is give and take interaction, but pornography is all about convenience. It's one-sided. The other person exists only for your gratification. Pornography is not about intimate connection. It's about immediate gratification. It's about me, me, me. It is narcissistic. Gail Dines, she is the author of a book called Pornland, how porn has hijacked our sexuality. She says this, when they put porn into Google, they are catapulted into a world of sexual violence, degradation, dehumanization. I think it has a terrible impact on the way they think, he's talking about young people, the way they think about sexuality, intimacy, and connection. Now, sex is a part of God's design. We are designed to be in long-term, romantic, monogamous relationships. It's designed to bring us closer together, and pornography destroys all of that. If you want a healthy relationship, run from porn like it's a plague. There's a reason why Paul says, flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body, 1 Corinthians 6.18. Okay, so now what? This is a lot of bad news. I was telling my wife about some of this information, and she's like, this is really depressing. Well, much more could be said about its negative effects, and we didn't even touch on the world and its connection to sex trafficking. And you don't know when you're watching that girl on the screen and that, or that guy on the, you don't know if they've been coerced, if they're being forced to be there, if they're underage. You don't know any of that. What do we do about all this? Well, let me talk to parents first and grandparents. I include grand, grandparents here. You need to know you need to come to terms with the fact that your kid is going to see porn. Just like, before you leave today, come to terms with that. It's not a matter of if they're going to see it. It's a matter of when. That's the world we live in. And so you need to be proactive, not reactive. So here's what you do first. Teach your kids what pornography is, and how to respond to it when they see it. That's what you're going to do first. Most parents assume pornography is just out of, it's, it's out of reach from my kids, so I don't got to talk about it. It's not true. It's not true. If you had poisonous chemicals in your cabinet, you would talk to your kids about that. You'd say, look at the skull and cross, that means poison. Don't eat that. Don't drink that, Right? But a lot of parents think, well, it's like that cabinet's locked up porn. They don't have access. Not true. They it's, it's everywhere. It is everywhere. The, uh, we have a lot of research on this about first exposure. Well, in 2016, the Australian Institute of Family Studies, they found that nearly half of children uh, between the ages of 9 and 16 experienced, listen, regular porn exposure, uh, regular exposure to sexual images. 50%. Many kids are addicted to porn even before they hit their teens. This should be a wake-up call to every parent and grandparent in the room. Now, fortunately, there are some good books that can help, okay? 
Um, I'm going to uh, recommend these two, okay? Uh, this one here, this is for ages, I think something like three to six, okay? Um, it's called Good Pictures, Bad Pictures Junior. Um, and it's really good to walk through this. It's like, there are good pictures out there. And there are bad pictures, like pictures of privates. And it says in here, private should remain private, right? And what do you do when you, if you happen to see those things? Well, it kind of walks through those steps, you know? You turn, and you run, and you go tell mommy and daddy. And if your kid's a little bit older, something like 7 to 13, 14, this is a better book for you, okay? It walks you through the lessons, like curriculum in here, and you fill the blanks and stuff like that. These are good books. They're good resources that we need to use to help facilitate these conversations. You need to have these conversations. And so your kids will be able to recognize pornography and realize its dangers and finally respond in a safe way. Second, Install monitoring and filtering software on all your devices. Covenant Eyes, that's a good one. Um, there's others, though. Uh, this allows you to know what your kids are looking at, okay? Covenant Eyes, it, it's almost like an accountability software. It sends you an email every month about where your kids have been, okay? It tracks their online footprints. It also, I think uh, Covenant Eyes actually has a filter too. It could stop porn from coming in your house. But there are other filtering software. So if you go to the next slide, um, you have a Disney actually came out with one called, the Cir it's called uh, Circle. Okay, go to Meet Circle. And this just keeps it out of your house. Um, this open DNS. Literally, no porns come in your house. Okay, um, the, only, the, the only thing it doesn't block is when you go to Google, or go, yeah, Google Images, okay? It doesn't, it can't block that. But the sites keeps them out. Okay, number three, teach your kids about sex. The primary place kids are getting sex education is not school, and it's not their parents. It's pornography. That's where kids are getting their sex education. We need to change that. Fourth, invite candid conversations. You need to be seen as a reliable source of information. If your kids don't, they heard a word at school or they, they, they are wondering about a certain term, you don't want them to Google it, okay? That's not a good idea. They need to come to you to find out what that's about, okay? You need to be seen as someone that your kid can talk to. And so just begin to ask the questions. Start the dialogue. Fifth, this is really important, model real love. Parents, kiss and hug in front of your kids. Gross them out. Give compliments. Go on dates. They need to see what real intimacy, real relationship looks like. The way you spot a counterfeit is by knowing what the real thing looks like. So fathers, we need to model for our sons how to treat a lady and model to our daughters how a gentleman should treat them. Now let's talk, uh, talk to those who are affected by pornography, okay? And these are in no particular order. First, 
tell someone. Tell someone. Pornography addiction thrives in the darkness of secrecy and cannot survive in the light of accountability. Be sure to acknowledge the wrong. Don't play the blame game. Don't blame someone else. Own your actions. We need to start talking about this, and that means you've got to tell someone. Second, ask for forgiveness. Husbands, you have wronged your wife, okay? And you have sinned against God. Go to both and plead for forgiveness so that healing can begin. Third, be accountable. That software is not just for your kids. It's for you, okay? You need these, this, these filters and this software. So um, go to things like Covenant Eyes or Triple Three Watch or Circle or one of these other websites. There's many out there. Be accountable. You can't do this on your own. You can't. Many have tried and many have failed. So find men that you can talk to, men and ladies. Find ladies you can talk to. This is what Celebrate Recovery is all about, okay? And this is why we do it at the church. And so get plugged in, in with a group like Celebrate Recovery. Fourth, identify your triggers. Is it sexualized music or the magazine stand at the superstore or some movies that you've seen on Netflix? Is it depression? Is it being alone at night? Try to identify what triggers you and do your best to respond to and avoid those triggers. Fifth, ask for help. Talk to a counselor. And that goes for your spouse too. Husband, you come forward and say, look it, I, I'm struggling with this pornography stuff. Just know that your wife, some wives have sub suffered similar symptoms to PTSD as a result of finding out that their husband has this addiction. And so they feel betrayed. They feel like trust has been broken. They might need to talk to someone. You need to talk to someone, but you need to talk to God about this. Ask God for, for help. Pray to God to intervene in your situation and to help set you free from addiction. God forgives and heals those affected by pornography. Pornography is not the worst sin. Uh, it's not even the worst sexual sin, although sometimes the church can treat it like that. But it is sin, and it's a sin that leads to death. James 1.15 says, When desire, then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Death to my identity, death to my relationships, death to my marriage, and death to my relationship with God. That's what porn does. The culture may condone pornography as normal. No big deal. The church may condemn pornography as shameful. But Christ comes, he cleanses, and he heals and restores and gives you life eternal. In this room, there are probably men and women who struggle with this issue. And so I'd like to close 
by praying for you. I'd like to pray for you. Bow your heads with me. Father in heaven, we thank you for your son shed blood on our behalf because of his death and resurrection. We know that there's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. This means that by your grace, we are forgiven of all of our sins. Help us to confess our sins because we, when we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. We are no longer slaves to sin. If the Son sets us free, then we are free indeed. Help us to live in that freedom day by day with your resurrection power. We know that it is your will that we abstain from sexual immorality. Help us to grow in purity and sanctification and not give in to temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For we know that apart from you, we can do nothing. We need you. On our own strength, we are going to fail, but with your strength, all things are possible. Father, we thank you that you have been crucified. We have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer us who live, but Christ who lives in us. And that the life we now live in this flesh, we live by faith in the Son of God who died for us. He gave himself for us. Thank you for this truth. Help us to live it out. You are a good God. You're compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Remind us daily that you do not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as far as the east is from the west, so far have you removed our transgressions from us. May we live always, whether in public like this or in private, when nobody's looking, when I'm sitting at the computer and no one knows what I'm looking at, and in private, bring glory to your name and to your Son. Amen.